Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and I'm joined this afternoon by a singer-songwriter, a entertainer, uh, instructor, and promoter um, whose uh, most recent song is called Fuck the Snow, uh, which came out a couple months ago. You can stream it on Bandcamp. And I'm excited to talk to him about his passions, archery, and why he does what he does. Thank you for joining me, Party Marty. Thank you for having me, Ben. You're very welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. The snow seems to be melting outside. It's beautiful. The snow is, in fact, fucking off, isn't it? Yes. It is an exciting time of year. Yeah, I, I can. I felt like the serotonin returning to my brain this year or this week <laughs> when, like, the sun, you know, reappeared in our lives and the days are getting a little longer. Feels great. It feels awesome. Yeah. Um, what'd you do today so far? Today, I uh, took my car to get my ignition interlock device um, recalibrated. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's all I've done this morning. Well, it is still only about 1.30 p.m., so you've still got quite a bit of day ahead of you. Yeah. Oh, we did visit the dog park with the pup. Oh, tight. Nice. Well, that's yeah. good. Awesome. Well, um, cool. What we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And so um, this is our first time like formally meeting, but we know a lot of the same people. You know, you're, you're from Waukesha. So I know I've interviewed most of like uh, the um, Waukesha favorites. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Including but not limited to Anson and uh tacoma washington weekday club and uh ali j bandelier bacall bandelier bacall the keystones yep. um that's most of the joey stone oh yeah that's a lot so, of our music scene yep right and uh a lot of them come here to do a lot of shows which um is exciting and uh but I've never been to a show in Waukesha, actually. Uh, what's you know, it like out there? You say that like that's like a far-fetched thing, but nobody's been to shows in Waukesha. <laughs> you, you think for the place that Les Paul grew up and like invented the electric guitar that there would be like live music happening, but there's really not. Oh, well, you know, uh, well, isn't there, like, what is that, the Club 400? Is that what it's called? Club 400 is a bar that used to be owned by Les Paul's family. So it's kind of a historical landmark too. And then um, like six years ago, I was coming in there every year, every week for wings. And then I finally asked the owner, you know, why don't you ever have live music? And he goes, well, I don't know. I said, let me do some. So I think that was like 2015, 2016, something like that. And since then I've been booking like all original music at club 400 right good good for you that's important do they have good wings they have awesome wings um they claim to be world famous wings oh well um world famous okay well i will uh i will go pick up wings from there and uh ask people around the world uh what they think <laughs> i think that's just their claim. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah for sure. Well, that's dope. Uh, I hope to make it out there at some point. 
So, Marty, so did, are you like born and raised in Waukesha? No, I was actually born in Janesville. Okay. Uh, not born in Janesville, raised in Janesville. I was born in up north Wisconsin, but I was raised in Janesville. Um, went, I went to school in Janesville until I was like 16, 17, and then I moved to California. And then I finished my senior year of high school at Orange County High School of the Arts as a drummer. And then from there, I moved to LA and went to Musicians Institute to study drums. Then I moved to Waukesha. I got you. Okay, cool. Well, we will uh, we'll go down the timeline in, in a bit. Um, okay. Do you want to you want to talk about um, the music you listened to growing up and just kind of how it would culminate in you becoming one yourself? Um. Growing up, I have this funny story that, uh, so my older brother and sister had a different dad and they would go visit him on weekends. Yeah. And uh, one year it was my older brother's birthday and he came back with a CD player that he got, like a boombox. And this was like, must've been like 93, 92, something like that. And uh, my dad said, no boombox in the house. Nope, you gotta take that back to your dad's house. So like, I didn't really grow up around music other than like hearing Christmas songs at Christmas. So that was, it started to be like my way of rebelling was starting to listening to music. And like, I remember I had a Beastie Boys tape and a, um, a Gangster's Paradise single CD. And then from then I had some friends that started getting into bands. And then, so I started getting into bands. I was like, I want to play drums and be in a band. Yeah. So then it was Blink and Green Day and that whole scene at that age and grew up playing covers of Blink and Green Day with my buddies. Mm -hmm did the marching band, started to get serious about drums, and then kind of learned all the other aspects, learned the jazz stuff, I learned the marching stuff, I learned the concert stuff, and ended up, when I came back here, I started hanging out at a place called Disaster House. Have you ever heard of Disaster House? I have not. Disaster House was like a punk house in Rockford that threw a lot of shows. Okay. And this must have been like 2012, 2013, I was hanging out down there. And I heard these people playing folk punk and I was like, what the hell is this? You don't need a whole band and you can be punk rock. This is great. Yeah. So then my, I don't, I didn't know if I consciously did it, but my music started becoming this folk punk sound. Dope. That's funny. Yeah. I remember like the first time I discovered folk punk, I think it was like, I want to say it was like the front bottoms. Okay. Someone showed me them and like, it feels like kind of like, gentle but it bites in a really yeah it's an interesting blend yeah it, yeah folk and punk you wouldn't think would be a thing that would come together in the future but here we are that's right yeah uh what, what was your uh first band my first band th that i was in yeah well outside of school yeah so we me and my friend jake and brandon started a band that we called enmity which we later changed the name to self-imposed. Hmm. So like my high school band, all, all being through high school in Janesville was self-imposed. Okay. We played like hard rock, like almost like Nirvana kind of stuff. Yeah. But more on the metal side. Oh, tight. Cool. Um, I know a couple bands from Janesville. It seems like there's a small but strong music presence over there. Like Yeah, uh, you know Jazz Core Friction. Sure do. Extra red flags. Yep. Um, Midsummer. 
Midsummer comes from Janesville. Yeah. Uh, there's a few bands out of Janesville. Yeah. And my promoting has done in in Waukesha just as much as I've done in Janesville too. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Um, so, um, so how long have you been back in uh, uh, Waukesha? Ten years now. Ten years. Yeah, it's been ten years in Waukesha, and I've been teaching music at a music store in Waukesha since. Okay. Oh, dope. Okay. So, um, ten years ago, when you came back here, so like, what was the music scene like? I have no idea. Like, all I saw was Friday Night Live. Do you, do you know what Friday Night Live is? Uh, no. So in Janesville, what I'm used to is this thing called Rock Around the Block, which they, they shut down Main Street. They put barriers up. Everyone can have their drinks outside and there's bands everywhere. And I'm like, that's awesome. And I moved to, to Waukesha with my mom and she's like, there's this thing called Friday Night Live. There's bands on the street and they block it off. And I was like, that sounds like Rock Around the Block. Cool. And then I get there and they're all cover bands playing like like guys in their 60s cover bands playing cover songs and everyone is sitting down watching them and you can't have drinks on the street and I was just like this is not the same but the music's cool yeah so yeah. the one people I met were like these guys that were 18 19 20 and they were in a Beatles cover band okay so those are the only people that I like met in the music scene otherwise other than that I wasn't really interested in participating in this yeah and stuff all guys playing like Boston and like ELO and shit like that. Right. And you go to one from one stage to the next and like they're all playing the same set list. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I get the money making aspect of the cover band world, but well, and this is the thing at Friday Night Live, every band only takes a hundred bucks. Oh yeah, you need more than that. Right. And there's there's four guys in each band. So like you got four 60 year olds taking home 25 bucks each. That stinks. Yeah. I mean, I guess it uh, breathes fresh air into their drive. But uh, for younger guys like us, yeah, we we, we need to get paid. Yeah. Um, were you doing much of that kind of stuff? Like were you playing in bands and stuff in California? In California, I was playing in bands here and there, but I was doing more focusing on my education with going to the music school. So I was just honing the drumming skills quite a bit. Um, it's hard to get out there in LA. Like in, a, in, in Wisconsin, like it's one thing to be a talented musician, but when you're in LA and you're a talented musician, that doesn't mean anything. Like, there's a billion talented musicians. You got brown hair. I like the talented musician with red hair, you know? Yeah. I, I feel, yeah, I get that. It's so competitive and massive in scale. Like, where do you even start with like a market like that? Right. And you think, you know, let's go to Hollywood, but no, that's where homeless people and students live. Nobody's going to discover you in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, yeah. So, um, how, how did you become Party Marty? Way back when I was, I must have been six or seven years old, the older brother that I was talking about had a friend over and he called me Party Marty. And the first time he called me that, I cried. I, I, read, I thought he was making fun of me. I ran away and I cried. I was like, that meanie. And then years later, I'm playing music and I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, that's something that people will remember is Party Marty. I only have to say that once, you know? Yeah. So... 
then it developed into not just a name, but like always playing like the lively, upbeat, fun stuff and not being too slow or too boring or anything. Yeah, I feel that. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, this little kid and like your whole world is crushed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really took it as an insult when he called me Party Marty. He was like having fun with me, you know, he was being nice about it, but I just, in my mind as a little kid. And now you're living into that, you know, being an entertainer and whatnot. Right. That being said, that's a good point. So when you would like describe yourself as like an entertainer, like uh, how would you like kind of, how would you uh, characterize yourself? As an entertainer? Yeah. Yeah. Like what, what does that mean to you? Um, if I'm describing Party Marty, then at Party Marty is a one-man band that, you know, keeps the energy going and, you know, plays songs you recognize and funny other original songs. Right. I dig that. Sounds like a party to me. Right. Party. And that's the idea is to make people at least be like, okay, well, I'll try. Yeah, I'll spill beer to that. Right. Yeah, yeah precisely. So, um, yeah, I guess so, like... Uh, um, how would you kind of like gradually get more and more like um, into the music scene um, over the last couple of years? Like after you moved back here, I know you said you were instructing. Um, how would you just kind of like put yourself out there? Um, so, I mean, it began as me like wondering when somebody's going to throw me a bone. Like when, it, when are you going to give me a chance? When are you going to let me do it? And then it, it, turned into like it started with like because I was always just a drummer and then I started all right well I can't find a singer and a guitarist that are gonna like stick around long enough be as dedicated as I want to and be as available as I am so I'm just gonna start singing start playing guitar so I did and then eventually like let's play a show and we played a show cool I want to play more shows well how is that gonna happen well I'm gonna make it happen I'm gonna contact the bars and I'm gonna find people and you know, I can't get a hundred people out to see me. So let's get four other bands with me. And then, and this just idea just snowballed into, this is a community. Let's all do this together. Yeah. That's like, that is quite frankly the point. Yeah. I, that's great. And I think that sounds like you did exactly what uh, anyone should do is yeah. You networked. Yeah, I, I mean, it, once I book five bands, then, you know, the other band figures out that I book bands, and now I've got 10 other bands that want to play shows, and that was easy, because I was one of those guys that was like, I want to play shows, give me shows, I want to play shows, I want to play shows, and then I was just like, well, why don't I just create the shows? Yeah, oh yeah, that's good, that's, um, that's a good way to like, uh, yeah, just take matters into your own hands there. I mean, especially because the DIY scene is the backbone of Milwaukee music. Um, I love basement shows a ton, you know, like I don't like oh. big crowded venues. Like I don't, I, I'll go I, to that if, I'll go to that if I have to, but I prefer to just, you know, uh, be around people that I know and am comfortable with and there's a case of beer on the ground and we're like three feet away from 
the band. <laughs> like I love absolutely when the you know between bands, you know, people go out and have a smoke, and then the band starts, and everybody actually on their own accord goes down and watches the band. Yeah. Rather than being at a bar where the band's playing in the corner, and then all twelve people that are in the bar are sitting at the bar loudly having conversations over the music yeah right in a basement people came for that music they came for that experience so we're all in for it are there so are there like house shows out there in Waukesha yeah yeah I actually am moving out of my house this weekend that I've thrown several shows at um and then I think the the couple guys from um Tacoma, Peace Bone, that kind of group have thrown a couple basement shows here and there. But there's not any regular places. My place I threw four or five shows at in the last three years, and now we're done. Yeah, yeah I actually, I remember Anson invited me to a show at your house, but I couldn't make it. Uh, I think it was snowing. It was really bad snow last year. Oh, I remember that one. That one I made chili and everybody killed it. Like I just left the crock pot out and said, have some chili and everybody oh. nuts on it. Oh, I fucking missed out, man. <laughs> I yeah. want I want some chili. Can you make me some chili? I'll make you some chili. Let's have a basement show. I'll bring the crock pot for everyone. Let's do it. Yeah. That sounds great. That sounds great. I'll bring some bands in and we'll rock out. <laughs> um, great. Um, so... You uh, recorded a, a project a couple of years ago. Was that Songs for Sale? Songs for Sale, yeah. Tell me about that. That clip. Songs for Sale was in 2016, in March of 2016, I released it. And it was 16 tracks. And I just had all this material and I just hadn't like released it. And I was like, let's just put it all out there. Just all of it. So I put out Songs for Sale. And the idea of it was that it was just guitar, vocals, and a kick drum, just bare bones. And that if anybody thinks that they like this song or they want this song, you can have it. You can buy it. You can have this song. This is like, if you want to take my song, I'm cheap and turn it into a reggae song, go for it. Nice. And that was kind of the initial idea of it is these are just some songs that y'all can have. And ironically, you can download the CD for free. Pretty quite literally like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's cool. Yeah. So, so that's songs for sale. And then I don't know if you know about the project that I've done recently called Titty City. Yes. I was going to ask about that next. Titty City. Tell me about that. And I actually have a couple of these here. So this is songs for sale. Cool. Great. All and right. And then 16 tracks on there. And then Titty City in must have been May 1st during pandemic. We all got together and we built a sound booth out of an old doghouse. And then we put a microphone in it. And like, I just recorded music in like the attic of a garage, my friend's garage. Okay. And everybody else just got in the sound booth and I put, would press record as they were all drinking and getting hammered and just saying random crap. So like, it became like a comedy CD and like, we gave like, a ton of them out and we called it titty city because my buddy and his his wife they called their house and all their friends titty city and he's the she's the mayor and he's the treasurer and it's oh, just funny. it's a big ongoing thing and then people like that cd so we ended up doing titty city christmas ah 
Oh yeah, with the with the PBRs, nice. Yeah, so the and we do twelve days of Christmas drunken style, and it, when it gets to five golden rings, it's five PBRs. Sorry, I drank one. Right. <laughs> yeah, because nice. it's, it's a six pack with one gun. So that's just kind of been like the keeping me occupied and the titty city stuff. But then, fuck the snow was released on the titty city Christmas album. And I think that'll also be released on my next album whenever that happens to come. Yeah, uh, I guess the, you kind of uh, introduced your own segue into what you're working on now. Yeah, so I've got this notebook here that I've been writing songs in for a long time. And I've got songs for the next album. Like there's one called My Own Shoes. There's one called Fuck the Shithole. There's uh -huh. another one. Uh, my whole family's on drugs is one of them. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's going to keep this comedy kind of theme to it that I had in my first album too. And it's going to be kind of punk rock and there's probably going to be drums in it too. Right. Well, um, how pleasant, you know, uh, some of the, some of those, um, song concepts, I'm sure it'll be a great time. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Shithole is about the apartment that I am moving out of right now. Okay. Um, my whole family's on drugs is about how, uh, well, everything's a drug. Everybody in my family drinks coffee. You know, all my cousins drink shots all the time. Grandpa's got all these pills for his needs and everybody's on drugs. Yeah. We quite frankly are all on drugs. I'm, yeah. I've uh, taken several drugs today uh, already, as a matter of fact. So Absolutely. I've had two cups of coffee. I took my antidepressant in the morning and uh, now I'm hydrating. So, all right. Yep. I, uh, I've cut one drug out recently. I'm stopping drinking caffeine. Oh, good for you. Yep. Soda's kind of, kind of, I don't know. Maybe it's not dealing with me, doing too much of it. Uh, yeah. Soda, I, you know, once you stop drinking soda, you never crave it again. Like, I, I've like barely ever craved a soda since like college but oh man i'd love that <laughs> <laughs> so what um considering you know you're you know like you have this big like comedic entertaining persona of like your your act and stuff so I'll, i'd love to hear a little bit about some of like your comedic influences you know um comedic influences have you ever heard of a guy i'm sure you have named um Pat McCurdy. Yeah. Yeah. Love him. I love the stuff he does. Um, other than that, I, uh, I have a lot of experience with like being in theater and like the best way for me to attract the attention was telling the correct punchlines and getting the, the jokes right. So people want to listen to that next sentence I say, you know? Yeah. Timing is an, a, a very essential component in doing that, for sure. Absolutely. And I kind of have a little bit of a difficulty with writing love songs. Oh, yeah? I just, I can't do it. I don't know. I've written a couple, but, like, they were, they're not my thing, you know? I just, that's not where my songwriting goes when I start. Yeah, yeah, and... I know Anson's kind of like that too, where yeah. he writes a lot of like self-deprecating stuff 
And I mean, I, I, I admire that, that process because I mean, I feel like that's kind of my type of humor too. Like a lot of my humor kind of comes at my own expense in a lot of ways. Sure. Like I, I love to make fun of myself. Cause it's like being as like, I was like, I was kind of raised in a household where we all just like laughed at ourselves and each other. And like, it was also became like a, it becomes like a um, reclamation of everything you got bullied for when you were younger. Sure. Like, yeah. You know, like, so now if, if anyone's going to be uh, ripping me apart, it's going to be me, you know? So, right. And, and I, so it's like, I, I like, you know, what Anson's doing with like the uncomfortable moments, like just, playing on social awkwardness and yes not knowing what to do with yourself and in your case like you know just uh very like ironic observations about you know like what situations you're in and like what your surroundings look like yep um a couple of the songs that uh have done well for me are called i'm cheap and i might be late but i'll be there and just yeah, ironic things that are about real life. Yeah, I'm usually late by a couple minutes myself. Usually, I mis I misjudge the time it takes to get there. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of people can relate to that song. I might be late, but I'll be there. Yeah, that's the most important part. Is that you're showing up? Right, still coming for sure. What if like uh, have you managed to like uh, what have you been up to uh, during quarantine mostly? Um, well, I have not been gigging. Um, I did a couple outdoor things this past summer, but nothing indoor. Um, teaching in March got stopped. In April, I started virtual. And then in June or July, some students started coming back and some students stayed virtual. So right now, I'm probably half and half. I've got about 25 or 30 students and half of them take virtual and half of them come in person. I got you. Sure. Um, did you do uh, the Glacier Valley thing? We did do the Glacier Valley Music Fest. We scaled it down a little bit. A lot of the bands weren't comfortable with playing. And what was weird is that I, on March 1st, I had a lineup all set and had everybody confirmed. Yeah. And then fucking two weeks later, <clears throat> everything gets shut down. Yeah. So then two months after this is supposed to be the festival, and I'm like, oh, great. Let's see what happens. And then as, as everyone knows, that turned into, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Let's see yeah. what happens. So the bands that were comfortable with playing came out. It was all outdoors. It was cool. Um, no cases that anybody heard about came from the festival. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. It was completely outdoors, though. Everybody could yeah. use their space if they wanted to, which is how we're going to do it this year, too. Nice. Oh, um, well, that's awesome. I, wh where is it exactly? So tell me about, like, that, like the location, like, the, the, the setting. Um, so it's at a campground. Um, now, the campground, the main part of it is all, uh, like, there's a big swimming pond and then a bunch of RV trailer parking. And then beyond that, there's a big empty field. Now in the big empty field, we have the fast and loud stage. So we put the punk and the metal and all the naughty words, answers yeah. in. <laughs> and then yeah. we have a pavilion in the middle of stuff and then a beach stage. So on those stages, we run like mainstream music. Nice. 
So there's like around the place, there's tons of trails in the woods too. So like, I mean, I'm not often the one that does it, but I'm sure people will wander off in the woods and just listen to the band from afar too. Oh, people want to choose to spend their time. That sounds great. Um, that sounds like fun. I do hope I can, uh, maybe I'll come this year. Who knows? <laughs> I would love you to come this year. Um, it's pretty cheap. It's going to be like 25 or 30 bands and it's going to be like 25 bucks for the whole weekend. And that's including camping. Dope. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I I did a couple, I saw a couple outdoor shows uh, last summer and uh, yeah, I mean, in the in the uh, capacity that is responsible, that you know works for everybody. Like, you know, I see no issue with people doing it. Like, I, it's been such a breath of fresh air to see some outdoor shows. Um, I remember because considering I go to like one or two shows a week normally, like, right. I've been fucking missing it. Uh huh. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, this shit's ridiculous. I'm so used to hitting two open mics during the week and playing on Friday and Saturday and then hitting two different open mics next week. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, did you do like the up and under open mic much? No, not much. I did some in West Dallas. I didn't get into Milwaukee much. Okay. But Waukesha has a lot of open mics or at least did. Sure. I got you. Okay. Um, What's your beer of choice? Miller High Life. Champagne of beers. Oh man, for me it's hams. I'm a. Oh hams really? Boy. Yeah, I'm a hams boy. My brother <laughs> loves hams. Well, I started drinking it because it's so economical. You know, it's cheap as fuck, and you can get like a thirty rack for thirteen bucks at Pick and Save. Uh, but if I get sick of that, I either drink Miller Light or Natterdays. But I did pick up some High Life a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was like a 12-pack, and I went through it in like three days, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love me some High Life. Um, haven't drank it in a while. I've been sober for a little while, ever since the DUI and dealing with that shit. Oh, good for you. Good, for, Like, that's awesome. Yeah. I know a lot of people are kind of, I don't know, um, uh, doing like trials with sobriety right now and that's great cool but it's been it's been now's a harsh year what'd you say now's the time when you know you're not getting the text every single night saying come out and have a drink come out and have a drink oh most definitely uh well good shit man uh, i'm glad we could talk a little bit today um Absolutely. I, I hope to see you out there um you know hopefully uh it'll be a little safer to do more things uh as the year goes on and um yeah i'm i'm glad we could finally meet the acquaintance my friend absolutely yeah i'm glad to meet you man so as we're closing out uh i ask everyone the same two questions on the way out uh marty first one is what keeps you up at night what keeps me up at night it's a good question what keeps me up at night all right, and I got to give you a good answer on this one since I'm thinking about it so much here. Thank you, Tom. What keeps me up at night? Um, you know, probably a lot, something that you and I both think about a lot is where is live music going to be in the future? Yeah. It worries me what could possibly be in the future or lack thereof. Yeah. 
yeah, I do worry about that a lot. I mean, we've I already said kids growing up not being able to experience stuff like we did. Yeah. We already said bye to a couple venues, um, sadly. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, though, one thing I'm optimistic about is that knowing, like, the community, like, I'm proud to call myself a part of here, shows will always be a thing, you know, even if it's, even if you have to take things in your own hands, like you have, like any DIY venue has, um, shows will always be a thing. And I, even though things are bleak right now, I mean, there'll be a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I guess my fear is not that they'll be gone, but that what will the new normal be? Yeah, that's a good point. What, What puts you to sleep though? What puts me to sleep? Um, all the dozens and dozens and dozens of CDs that I have in my friends' bands. Yeah. Like, That's- even if, even if this music scene is something that I, like, for some reason, I will never be a part of, like, after today, I've got all those CDs. Yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. I've got, like, I actually still drive around with a CD book in my car. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, four by four in there, and, uh. I've got a second book that's all just local music. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, I love it. I love sick. having somebody ride shotgun and be like, pick a CD. Yeah. Dude, that's amazing, man. Yeah, I. that's me with band shirts. Like, I've spent hundreds of dollars the last couple months buying uh, shirts from bands. And if you can wear a band and show them off like it's something's really really beautiful about that i saw fuzzy surf that you're wearing anson told me that those guys are awesome they're one of the best bands in town dude they're like a really cool like indie like sunshine pop that kind of like that kind of psychedelic sounds like it's from the 60s but yeah no they're they're killer man check them out they have really cool music videos too oh they do okay i'm gonna have to check that out Oh, yeah. Um, Hell yeah, dude. Thanks again for being on the show. Thank you, sir. For everyone watching, be sure to stream uh, Party Marty's uh, Titty City uh, songs for sale and um, Fuck the Snow. Uh, Listen to that song, his new song that came out just a couple months ago. And looking forward to his next record. Looking forward to shows. Check out the Glacier Valley Music Festival. Uh, Stay tuned for more updates on that. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. I'll see you next time.